The premonition mission mission. This cane is your destiny. destiny. A first blood match. The prophecy. No force on earth can stop destiny. Not even Stone Cold Steve Austin. The Bobaca 316. I've bled before. I ain't afraid to bleed again. Your big dead ass belongs to Stone Cold Steve Austin. Revelation. If he does not become the World Wrestling Federation champion, I will set myself on fire. The Black Angel. I am the Lord of Darkness. Bouncing his skull off the steel cage, dropping parts of my body in order to ruin his. Hell on earth. What he calls hell, I call home because I am going to love every minute of it. Dear God, have mercy on their souls. Still falling for you. Still falling for you. Beautiful mind, your heart got a story with mine. Your heart got me hurting at times. Your heart gave me new kind of eyes. Your heart got me feeling so fine. So what to do? Still falling for you. Still falling for you. It took us a while. With every breath, a new day. Welcome again to another episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by. The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Back once again to review an old wrestling show for you. But before we get to that, tomorrow night, we're taping this on Saturday. Tomorrow night, Hell in a Cell 2016 edition. I don't know the whole card because there's really only three matches that matter, so we'll predict them. All right. Rusev and Roman Reigns in the cell. Rusev. I think they're just going to have Roman Reigns win. Really? He just got the title last month, so... Why would you have him flip it back here? But already? we're doing the title swap thing. We're doing it with the women's. We're doing it with you know the AJ thing. We've you know hot potato and these belts around. They really are. I think this one needs to stay for a little while. Oh, I think it does. I don't believe it will. Rusev doesn't need the belt either. He's doing just fine on his own. He's going to be the top guy pretty soon. The top uh, heel in the uh, Raw brand pretty soon. If Well, not the top heel, but behind Kevin Owens and behind Chris Jericho. One of them is going to have to turn for the feud. Chris Jericho will turn face in their feud when they finally break up. So then you have another spot for a heel, and I think that's Rusev's place. It's the universal title match. Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins. Who do you have here? I got Owens. Yeah, I think Kevin Owens should retain... Seth Rollins is not a good babyface in this nope. position. Not at all. He's going after the wrong guy. Triple H is the guy that cost him the belt, so why is he going after Kevin Owens? It's misguided. Yeah. It's bad riding. I don't understand it. It makes no sense. And they haven't even mentioned Triple H in weeks now. Are they trying to push Kevin Owens into being more of a heel and make Seth Rollins baby? Or are we like we're merging lines again to where it's not really clear as to what's what. He's not a good guy. He's not a bad guy. He's just a guy. That's how everybody everybody's they're really losing focus about what makes a good good guy and a good bad guy. And they're all just sort of yeah. blending together. 
Yeah, heel and baby. I mean, you know. And finally, what should be, hopefully goes on last, is the main event. The first ever women's Hell in a Cell match between Sasha Banks in her hometown of Boston, taking on Charlotte. Who do you have in this match? Charlotte. I think I'm going to agree with you. I think, even though the belt has switched more times than the other two belts, yeah. it switched every three weeks yeah. between these two, they should build this Charlotte pay-per-view winning streak. They should hold on to that. For a WrestleMania payoff, yeah, for someone to finally beat her. I, I agree. I think that's because streaks and WrestleMania kind of run neck and neck. So I think they can make some type, some kind of storyline out of that. WWE is very cruel to people wrestling in their hometowns. If you're wrestling in your hometown, it usually means you're getting beat. You're a little, yeah, you're gonna lose. There's no unless you're The Rock and you're wrestling in Miami. In which case, then you will win. Well, if you're The Rock, you're gonna win all the time. So. <laughs> you get to do whatever you want. You gave me WWE 2K16 or no, it's WWE 2K17, the new video game. You gave it to me last week. Funny story. Okay, so I I finally I I had been waiting all week to try to get to play it, and I finally had an opportunity, and I put it in. And you know how these games are now, you know. You can't just turn them on, Patrick. Oh, no, you gotta let them load and upload. You gotta load and update. The first update, right out of the gate, it was like 12 gigs. Yeah. We have some of the fastest internet in the world in Chattanooga. It's still gonna take me a long time to get that update. Yes. And it's like, oh, if you're not gonna use the network features, you can go ahead and start the game. But I'm thinking, oh, this update, it does more than the network features. This is going to fix bugs and stuff. As time goes on and I'm watching, that's that's half the games on PlayStation now is just watching that little progress bar. Just getting to 100, getting to 100 on everything. So I was waiting for the update to come through and I finally said, screw it. I'm just going to start it without the update. I've got to get in here. I've got to see what's going on. Right. And, you know, I'm not going to go through any training mode because those are for losers, you know. Only losers want to learn how to play the game. So I'm like, okay, singles match right off the bat. I'll pick AJ Styles, and I'll pick somebody that I know easy to beat. So uh, I picked Titus O'Neil. Okay. So all right, we're on like uh, we're on like main event or something. I pick one of the crappiest, the crappiest stages too. So it's AJ Styles and Titus O'Neil. Well, the match starts before I know it. Titus has clotheslined me, dropped an elbow. Covered me. I don't know how to kick out. He beat me in 15 seconds flat. Wow. I got zero stars. It told me I was horrible. And so Damn. that was pretty deflating. Yeah, it was pretty deflating. So then I hit rematch. These are the only two matches I've had in the game. And then what I learned about the game is that it's it's so close to how actual matches are scripted now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost scary because... Yeah. Titus had the heat on me the entire match. He was kicking my ass. And then you had that turn, man. Yeah, exactly. I, I just kicked out of, like, the the clash of the Titus. Yeah. I kick out of it. Yeah. I hit him with one Styles clash. And it's one, two, three, man. That's one, it. One, two, three. The match is That's over. It. It's It's booked. It, it is, was booked exactly like the real thing. It's insane. It really, yeah. It was scary. So that, that those are my only two matches so far. I'm one and one. I right out of the gate, I lost well, to. Uh, we're gonna watch Hell in a Cell, so I'm sure we'll tear into it for a couple hours before then tomorrow. Uh, any other notes you want to touch upon? Uh, just quickly? Uh, the WrestleMania travel packages came out. Have you seen the prices for these things? Well, I never look at the travel packages because that includes like hotel and everything. I always break it up. I don't. I don't go with their but, bundle deals. See, but you really think about it. They're great bundles because you're getting not only. NXT, Hall of Fame, Access, WrestleMania, SmackDown, Raw, 
six different shows or things to do, plus you're getting a round trip into a like Orlando theme park, whichever one, Universal or whatever. Depending on the amount of people, they have two, four, and five, uh, and go on and so forth with different price ranges. The cheapest price I saw on there was $2,500. Oh, wow. A, a person. If you were planning on being there for the entire stretch, okay, that's still a lot of money. I'm sorry, because even if you're there for five days, that breaks down to $500 a day. I didn't scroll the rest of the way. There may be... It may be a little cheaper, but I saw 2500 and I was like, holy crap. Now, regular tickets for WrestleMania go on sale on the 18th, I believe. So here in just a few weeks, the regular tickets well, will go on sale. I mean, I was sale. looking at floor seats, ringside seats, so... We won't be spending the money on those, but thank you for looking. No, mm-hmm. uh, I'd rather be up on bleachers, honestly, for something like this. Not for, for an independent so like, show or something. That- I don't mind being close, but... For something like this where I want I want to see the whole thing because a lot of times they're battling down on the floor. And if you're ringside and if you're not in the very front row, if you're back, you can't see anything. But there are so many people out there that like, I want Triple H to spit all over me. I got it. That's gotta gross. S- I don't want John Cena's jizz rag and I don't want <laughs> Triple H to spit on me. I don't want anything to come into the stands. I don't want any in- interaction, you know, with these people. You, you know, don't, you don't want them getting thrown into the guardrail and the guardrail come into you. It only seems to happen in that one spot now, if you notice, yeah. uh, that guardrail uh, thing. No, I don't want any of that. Stay away. Do I'm you, not I'm not getting paid to work today. Do you miss the metal guardrails cuz I do? Yes, uh, King of the Ring 98, I was going to mention. I miss the metal guardrails. Uh, the padded ones actually when they first swapped them, I liked the padded ones better. I thought it was cool. I agree. But now I think that it this also has to do with the the crowds now. The crowds aren't as aren't as hot as they were in 1998. So a lot of the times they're sitting down. Right. So these big black barriers just create a distance yeah. between the fans and the ring that, that if they were clear, even if they were sitting down, you would just feel it would feel hotter. I okay. don't know. Well, close your eyes and picture this. All right. You're a three year old, you're a five year old, you're a six year old. You're sitting second, third row. You're maybe four foot six. Okay. Can you see what's going on through a guardrail or can you see what's going on through a freaking brick wall of. Good point. I mean. Seriously, they're wanting to gear it towards kids. They need to look at it like it's towards kids. If you want to to be able to allow it to be PG and gear it towards kids, then you need to allow it so the kids can see it. Not every single parent can pick their kid up and hold them on their shoulders for three and a half hours. Well, and also that's inconsiderate to the people around them. Right. Because now I can't see. Exactly. I'm a big kid. I want to see. And that comes to what you were saying about floor seats, you know. It yeah. comes into play. It's just not worth the money. The risers, like on fifth, sixth row risers, squared up with the ring. That's probably the best seats you'll ever get at a live a live wrestling show, unless it's a independent show and then ringside you're you're getting the action. WrestleMania is such is on such a grand scale anyway. You want to see the set and you want to see the all the set pieces they have and you know I don't know cheerleaders or whatever they're bringing out there you want to see the whole thing or take it take it all in you know you're not going to be focused on the ring the entire time it's just impossible 
Right. I know you saw one thing that happened on uh, .com this week, which was Ed Leslie's uh, Where Are They Now special. I saw you post this on your Facebook page. I did post this on my Facebook page. I sat. It's only about eight or nine minutes long. It's 11 minutes and 12 seconds. Okay, well, close enough. I watched it. I was moved. Actually moved. And I was like, wow, that's a story people need to hear. So I posted it. Well... The story omits several pieces of information, like his entire WCW run, oh, uh, the yeah. time he passed out in the subway booth uh, with cocaine that people thought was anthrax, uh, <laughs> all the rehabs he's gone to. It omitted all that stuff. So in the WWE bubble, it did a great job of telling you just what really happened. In this 11 minutes, all it was was I got injured, I came back, it was fine, and then I retired, and now I'm happily ever after here on the beach. Well, I mean, it was enjoyable to actually hear the backstory as to what happened with getting his face crushed in. Well, seeing that picture, I had never seen that picture I had never before. seen that picture either, and to, we, we give, we've given him a lot of shit on this show, okay? But well, to, yes, deservedly. But to see that picture, though, the man really did battle back from a pretty horrific injury. Yeah, but... It was for parasailing. It wasn't like he was saving puppies from a fire. It was he was just well, out. Damn, dude, the guy gets hurt. The guy gets hurt. There ain't nothing. He's just out fucking around with his friends parasailing. You know? Yeah, he's stupid. <laughs> like, well, you know. from the TV show's perspective, uh, oh yeah, the Brock Lesnar promo on Monday. Boy, they really messed that up, didn't they? Yeah, that was pretty ugly. Who didn't know that Minneapolis? is basically Brock's hometown, and they geared the promo to make it seem like the. His hometown is going to chant Goldberg. And it was Paul Heyman, one of the best people on the mic ever. And to see him flounder out there was pretty bad. Yeah, it was. It was, uh, what's your hype getting into this match? You getting excited? You getting... After that, I don't know. See, right? We were on that roller coaster. You were like, I don't think so. The Goldberg... No, I was sold with Goldberg. What they should have done is just ended it with that. And we not see these guys until... Pay-per-view time. Well, they announced it's going to be Survivor Series. Yeah. Well, that so. was pretty much known. I think that's what, what Vince cut the promo short because I th- I think that that information was going to come from Paul Heyman in the promo. But if you w- go back and watch it, the music just comes on and they just get cut off because yeah. it's going so badly. Yeah. But I, we all knew it was going to be at Survivor Series because, like I said last week, uh, AJ Styles and HBK, that's Royal Rumble, so they've got that taken care of. Is that for real happening? No, not yet. But we'll see. It'd be nice. Yeah. But I don't know. But this is the Halloween edition of Retro Wrestling Podcast. Wow. Also, Hell in a Cell's next weekend, or this weekend, actually, tomorrow night. Also, it has not only the greatest Hell in a Cell match on this pay-per-view ever, but it was one of the scariest. So... There's uh, your segue. There's my segue right there. We're going into my pick for this week, King of the Ring 1998. Yes, we go to the Civic Center in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It is June 28th, 1998. King of the Ring from the Civic Arena in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, also known as the Igloo. This is where the Pittsburgh Penguins play their hockey games at. Did you know the theme for this year's King of the Ring was off with their heads? Really? Yeah, you wouldn't... In a world full of ISIS and terrorism in 26... Yeah, you can't say that nowadays. I don't think they would brand anything off with their heads, but that's why the guillotine is so featured in all of these replays and cutscenes and everything else. So that's 
Off with their heads, Patrick. It's amazing that this pay-per-view came together because it came very close to falling apart at the last minute because the two biggest stars in the company, Undertaker and Stone Cold Steve Austin, are both suffering from injuries that they should not be wrestling with. Serious injuries. We're not talking about somebody, oh, I'm going to be out a week or two. No, these are serious injuries. I'm going to be out a while. That's correct. Yes, uh, they canceled the house shows right before this event because they did. They had to try to salvage this pay per view. If this pay per view hadn't gone off, I dare say the Monday Night Wars might have gone very differently because this is when WWF has taken the ball, so to speak. The ball is back in their court. They are picking up steam. They are starting to slowly pull away from WCW. And if this pay per view had gotten canceled at the last minute or had went on with, you know, card subject to change, they'd have to flex the main event into Kane and Mankind. Yeah. That's bad. Yeah. That is very, Especially very bad. Especially going into it, the fact that they had started building Kane and Mankind as a tag team. Right, right, yes. Uncle Paul brings everybody yes. together. So the Undertaker has a broken foot. He has bone spurs and a cracked ankle. Yes. And he's going to be in a Hell in a Cell match where they will start the match at the top of the cell. We'll get there in a moment. And as for Stone Cold Steve Austin, a much more serious injury than a simple cracked ankle, as comfortable as that sounds, he had a staph infection and was in the hospital hooked up to an IV just days before this pay-per-view. With a fever of over 100 degrees. I mean, that's... Staph infections can kill you. Yes. And they're also highly contagious. And now you're asking him to go out there and possibly give Kane a staff. Well, infection. now you see why Kane wore like nothing but his but hand one exposed. Glove. The more I thought about it, I realized. But also, it works for the story too. We'll get into the. It works the, for the storyline, but the logic behind the. We'll get, in, <laughs> we'll get into first blood matches and the logic going into them right. later on in the show. The show opens up. We get a promo recapping the two main events. Kane will set himself on fire if he loses. So. This was a great intro. It was uh, you had Classy Freddie Blassie kind of doing the voiceover, which we've talked about. Have mercy on our souls, Patrick. I love that. Was I mean, he was a gift to professional wrestling, but he gave the Attitude Era some of the greatest intros of all time. He had a great voice. He really did for that. This King of the Ring off with their heads, sponsored by Super Soaker. So get you a water gun, and you'll have you might have to use it on Kane later on in the night if to, you if he loses the out. match. Yeah. This is the sixth annual King of the Ring, and the cell is ominously hanging overhead. We get Jr. and King there on the call tonight. They happen to have gasoline on their announce table, just just in case. You never know when you need a can of gasoline. Right. You know, run out of gas, set a man on fire. You know. I do all that kinds of stuff all the time. I always keep a gas can near my announce table. Yeah. It's just good that way. Well, as a matter I, of fact, I have one sitting right by me now. When I create a ring in 2K17, I put gas cans everywhere. See, that's brilliant. Up first, we have a six-man tag. This is one of two bonus matches, a.k.a. we need to fill some time. Pretty it's much. Taka Mishinoku with the Headbangers against Kai and Tai, accompanied by Yamaguchi's son, Men's Teo, also known as Terry Boy from ECW. He's going to start the match for Kai and Tai against Thrasher. We get a scoop slam on Terry Boy for a two count. Then we tag in Mosh. Mosh hits Terry Boy with a drop kick. And then Terry Boy tags in Funaki. 
the current Japanese commentator. Smackdown number one announcer. Mosh hits Funaki with a power bomb. Taka tags in and hits Funaki with a missile drop kick. We get a springboard plancha onto Funaki. Then Dick Togo. You have to be careful how you pronounce Dick Togo's name because it almost sounds like Dick to go. <laughs> Dick Togo gets tagged in for Kai and Tai. He lands some big chops on Taka. Then Kai and Tai double and triple team Taka Mishinoku. They t- keep him away from the headbangers. But he eventually makes the tag to Mosh and Thrasher at the same time. Patrick Young, can you do that in a six-man tag? No, you cannot. So what happens when you do that? I'm going to get one man out. How do you make the determination of which man? I don't care which one it is. I'm going to get between them and say, listen, one of you stay, one of you go. Oh, we talked about how hard it was to confuse the Steiner brothers. I mean, they look identical. Yeah. Mosh, Mosh and Thrasher. This is impossible. Yeah. No. Two white bald guys? Wearing dresses. Wearing dress. Well, and Taka, I did like Taka came out wearing their wardrobe at that first. That was pretty funny. Anytime people tag team together, I want them to share gimmicks. I hate that we have tag teams now, like Heath Slater and Rhino and Cesaro and Sheamus. That they're just their same gimmick. They just happen to have a tag team partner. Right. I want you to match. Yeah. Or have something in common. You know, like Tyson Kidd and, and Cesaro. They didn't match, but they they I don't know. It just felt like they went together. I don't know. So I miss that. So I'm glad that Taka came out in the dress and the. Marilyn Manson shirt. When Mosh and Thrasher get the tag, referee Jack Doan loses control of this match for a few minutes because he is very confused at how to handle this. Well, eventually, Taka gets tagged back in. I don't know how. And then he hits the Mishinoku driver on Funaki for the win in 6 minutes and 44 seconds. I love the Mishinoku driver. I do too. Michinoku is a, uh, was the very first WWF, WWE, light heavyweight champion. Unfortunately, uh, yeah, they didn't hire anybody else for him to wrestle, really. It was they had a thing with him and Brian Kendrick or not Brian Kendrick. Him Brian Christopher. Brian Christopher. And then I think it went on to uh It was like Christian at one point had the belt and The last person that had it, truthfully, was a uh what was the guy that Lita showed up with that didn't last very long? S.A. Rios. S.A. Rios, yes. I think, and then that kind of, it just fell by the wayside. I noticed this network version of this pay-per-view is chopped up pretty badly. Yeah, it is. They cut, after this match, I do believe, to a screen outside. And in an outside shot, they were showing the igloo, and then they they showed the giant inflatable Undertaker. Oh, Undertaker, yes, yeah. yes. I want that. Where would you put that? I don't care. In the yard. I, it is Halloween. I would blow that bad boy up and strap it down in my front yard. They tease Al Snow and Head taking on too much, but that's not next. First, yeah. though, Sable comes out. Sable comes out, and the crowd goes nuts. Sable makes her return. Right. She lost a retirement match or something. Correct. To Mark Marrow. But Vince McMahon, he's a, a passionate man. He had leniency, and he brought Sable back. For this, tonight. You know what she did for this pay-per-view? She sat in the luxury box. She came out and introduced Vince McMahon. <laughs> yeah. Period. Good payday. Period. It's good. Well, no, she she also she slapped Pat Patterson. Okay, well, I want to get into that, okay? I hate how the announcers always put her over as the greatest-looking woman of all time. She's a good-looking gal, but JR, for example, says he knows people that would marry her dog. I know a lot of my buddies in Oklahoma that marry her dog just to be a part of her family. What? Just to be a part of her family. What does that mean? 
That makes no sense. They would marry her dog. So? That doesn't get you into Sable's world. No, but just to be close enough to her to be a part of her family, you know. Also, there's yeah, some, she is married to Mark Marrow. There is some weird freaks out there, dude. You know? S- Sable introduces Mr. McMahon, who's out yes. with the Stooges. He does not have a theme song because he won't have one until the 1999 Royal Rumble. The crowd immediately chants for Austin. Now, they take the mic from Sable, and she heads out. But before she does, Pat Patterson gives her a little uh, smack on the ass there. He, all he did was just wipe off some dust that was on there. That's I, all he did. She took it too far. He saw some lint and some dust there, so he sat there and he tried to kind of I thought he was swatting a fly. See, that could have been. I saw lint. I, so, you know, I think Sable took it too far. Well, Pat told her to lay it in because she smacked the shit out she of him. She smacked the shit out of him. <laughs> he he actually was bleeding from his cheek from where she busted him up and kind of, uh, she smacked him hard. Gerald Briscoe tells the crowd they should cheer for Mr. Mac-Man. Mr. Mac-Man. Vince, this feels like a time-killing segment also. it I believe it was. Vince asks the crowd what they are here to see. They cheer at the thought of Kane lighting himself on fire. He says they'll be disappointed and that their entire lives have been disappointments. You probably, in all likelihood, were a disappointment to your mother and father. (laughs) You didn't quite measure up to that level of success that your parents wanted for you. Right. You didn't quite make the grade. Whether it was athletics or academics, you didn't quite measure up. So therefore, you were a disappointment to your very parents. But then again, when you think about your mom and your dad, hey, I bet they disappointed you too, right? Because in the end, when you suffer disappointments, as all of you have, through your lives thus far. Who are you ultimately gonna blame? Yourselves? Are you ever gonna look in the mirror? I don't think so. You're gonna blame good old mom and dad, right? Dysfunctional family. It's that lousy DNA syndrome. Right. I mean, you blame mom and dad for the propensity to be obese. Maybe you blame mom and dad for the, well, that genetic heart defect. Who knows? But nonetheless, you know what failure is all about. You know what disappointment is all about. So therefore, I simply stand before you here tonight to sort of soften the blow of the disappointment that you're going to feel when Austin loses the title here tonight. Another generous move by McMahon. I want to, uh, I want to prepare you for what you're going to feel deep down in your stomach when Austin is no longer the WWF champion. You'll be sick, won't you, JR? Indeed, I want to warn you of the inevitable. When Austin is defeated and the ring announcer in this very ring tonight says, ladies and gentlemen, the winner of the match and the new World Wrestling Federation Champion, Kane! <laughs> yes! Yes. And that's pretty much all he said. And then him and the Stooges went away. But in all seriousness, though, 
that was heel Vince McMahon before heel Vince McMahon. Like, that was just straight up. He's given this speech before and since. This is a common... This isn't heel Vince McMahon. This is somewhere buried in who he is. I mean, this is not a character because he's... I definitely know he's given a similar speech on SmackDown and at the pay-per-view Rock Bottom, I think, happened in later in 1998 as well. Right. No, that happened... 98 or 99. You're right, yeah. Anyway, at rock bottom, he basically kills time, and he does the exact same bit where it's, you're a failure to your family, look in the mirror. This is something that he really feels, I'm afraid. It's not... He might be trying to tell his kids something. I don't know, you know. No, they came from greatness. They came from grapefruits, Patrick. They did. By the way, Stephanie Stephanie McMahon, she just re-signed her contract, her performer's contract. Three-year extension, Patrick. Three more years of Stephanie McMahon on screen at $500,000 a year. Holy shit. That's just her performer contract. That's, That's not, not her what normal she gets salary. for being... Because what is she now? She, she's the chief marketing officer. Okay, so she's she, basically everything that is getting out, like, hey, come buy this. She, she's a talking head. Yeah. Yes. Gotcha. Up next, uh, another smash cut in this... Awkwardly cut pay-per-view. We have Ken Shamrock taking on Double J. This is a King of the Ring quarterfinal. No, this is a semifinals match. A King of the Ring semifinals match. Double J and Ken Shamrock. Colonel Parker, Tennessee Lee, if you will, introduces Double J. That's J-E-double-F. J-A-double-R-E-double-T. That's Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Oh, ain't he great? Jeff Jarrett, Double J, is wearing his silver Chippendales number for this evening. Shamrock's out next. He gets a decent reaction. Did you notice here that this is the founder of TNA with the first ever NWA TNA champion in the same match? It's like the future is riding itself. It is. Uh, Not a lot here. It's a pretty short match. Shamrock hits a snap suplex for a two count. Jarrett answers with a swing neck breaker. Double J hits a beautiful drop kick. Then Tennessee Lee distracts Shamrock, and Jarrett chop blocks him. So now we're working the leg of Shamrock and the ankle, which was previously injured by Owen and the Nation of Domination, who Shamrock is feuding with. Shamrock nearly breaks his neck on a Hurricane Rana on Double J. It was very, very (laughs) ugly. But then he locks in the ankle lock and gets the submission win in 5 minutes, 29 seconds. Ken Shamrock, one step closer to being King Ken Shamrock. On this glorious King of the Ring night. I think he can do it. Oh, he'd look great in a crown and a cape. That'd be good for his character. I think it would. After the win, he hits a belly-to-belly on Tennessee Lee, just for good measure. Post-match interview. Michael Cole walks up, and this is what Shamrock says. Ken Shamrock, one down, one to go. I got one more peak to climb, and I need to come here to be second best. And I'm not going to be. He didn't come here to be second best, and he's not going to be. Well, then why aren't you going for the belt? Because anything other than going for the belt, you're not. You're Well, I mean, King of the Ring, that's a title. That's a. Oh, and boy, everyone remembers this great King of the Ring reign by whoever may win it coming up later in the evening. The Rock is out next. It's time for his semifinals match. He's out with Mark Henry and the Godfather. He is the Intercontinental Champion. The refs tell the nation members they got to get out of here. Finally, some refs enforcing some rules around here. We're going to be one-on-one in this match. 
Dan Severn is taking on The Rock. He's out in his sweaty gray t-shirt. Wow, what ring gear. See, I love Dan Severn. Of course Severn. you do. Of course you do. Dan Severn is... Because he has the same wardrobe as you, a, a sweaty gray t-shirt. That is not true. <laughs> I am wearing a gray t-shirt right now. <laughs> Besides the point, though. You wouldn't wear that to the ring, though. No. The fact that um, Ken Shamrock came from UFC over into WWE and was a NWA champion... Same as Dan Severn came from UFC over to WWE and was an NWA champion. I think shows multi-talent in and of itself, which proved to be the stomping grounds for what Brock Lesnar's doing now. He does it better. Oh, I disagree. Oh, whatever. I would take Dan Severn. Oh, over that's you. You just went out of business. WCW over, over Brock Lesnar. Any oh, that's week ridiculous. And twice on Sunday. I don't like Brock. A guy wearing a sweaty gray T-shirt. I don't versus like Brock. The top. This guy is the best thing going in pro wrestling today. Brock Lesnar. We have talked about this. I don't like Brock. I know. I, it's fine to not like him. It, it's, he's not supposed to be somebody you like. He's just supposed to be somebody that's really good he's at just, his job. He's, a, he's just a dick. Just straight up, he's a dick. So Dan Severn is out next. They show the highlight of where he gave D'Lo basically the chest protector by tearing his pectoral muscles on an episode of Raw. He did wrench back pretty hard on those. So I don't know if that was a real injury or not, but... He sold it, and it was believable. The match begins, and Severn shoots and takes Rock's leg, but Rock makes it to the ropes. Severn has won 85 titles, the announcers mention. He tries to mat wrestle with The Rock, but The Rock always finds the ropes. A true heel. Severn scores a takedown, tries a knee bar, but The Rock, he finds the rope again. The Rock's striking is very loose. He does not want to accidentally hit Dan Severn in the face and make Dan Severn very mad. We get a fireman's carry takeover into an arm bar on The Rock, and then Severn tries a variation of a dragon sleeper, but Rock gets the ropes. You gotta know where you're at in the ring, Patrick. This yes. guy's a veteran of not only the ring, but the octagon. Perhaps that's why he's struggling with the ropes, is that he's used to cage fighting. That's the kayfabe explanation of why he keeps letting The Rock get to the ropes. The Rock hits a clothesline and then mocks Severn's ring stance. He does the the Goldberg, I'm about to tackle you stance to make fun of Dan Severn. We get a snap suplex for two on Severn from The Rock. Then The Godfather and Mark Henry come back to ringside. We just took care of them. But they're back again. They distract the referee. Then out of nowhere. Out of the crowd because... Who wouldn't notice that this pro wrestler was walking through the crowd with a giant chest protector on? Runs in, jumps the guardrail, climbs to the top rope on the opposite corner, and hits the lowdown frog splash. That's right, with the chest protector. With the chest protector. On Dan Severn. And that allows Rock to get the win in 4 minutes and 26 seconds while D'Lo hoofs it back out of the arena. So we are denied our all-UFC finals in the King of the Ring. This dream match, they never made it happen. Ken no. Shamrock and Dan Severn. It never happened in WWE either. That's right. And that, no, it happened in UFC, I think. I it believe happened that, in UFC, but never in WWE. Which, why wouldn't it? Why it not? Seems, I know. What, what were they thinking? See, I'm friends with both of them. You'll just have to ask them sometime. On Facebook... They follow our show. I say we put a show together and we have that match. We just do it right here in the studio. Hey, 
Nothing sells tickets like putting it live on air. I think you should have went ahead and uh, done this in the finals because The Rock didn't need to be the King of the Ring. He's already over. The idea of the King of the Ring is to help somebody that's on the verge of being a star make them into a star. Right. Now, unfortunately, this finals with The Rock and Ken Shamrock, Ken Shamrock's already had a title match. He had a title match against Shawn Michaels in 97. Mm-hmm. So he's already kind of an abandoned... That was, but that was his only big thing, unfortunately, in WWE. But the, once you... He went down to mid-card after But people that. don't forget, you know? People don't... Even in, even in the late 90s when the internet's not so prevalent or whatever, you know, I'm not going to forget that this guy was... They, they already floated the idea of him as a top guy. Right. And they had taken that off the table. Now they're trying to restart it, I guess, with this King of the Ring. Well, if he wins. We haven't gotten to the match yet, so. Michael Cole tracks down The Rock. Rock tells Cole to shut his mouth and know his role. What you need to do is finally shut your mouth and know your role. <laughs> Ken Shamrock, you talk about climbing mountains. But The Rock ain't hearing that, Jack. In order to climb any mountains around here, The Rock is going to make sure you go through this. Man and a half, and before you reach any damn peak or valley, The Rock is going to make sure you hit rock bottom. Shamrock won't be climbing any mountains tonight, and The Rock will make sure that Shamrock hits rock bottom. Or perhaps he should have said he hopes Ken hits Shamrock bottom. (laughs) You get it? Got it. Okay, thanks. (laughs) Too Much will take on Al Snow and Head. It's finally arrived. I love this freaking match. Of course you did. A promo recaps why Al Snow is here. Al Snow has tried several disguises to get signed. He's a modern-day Heath Slater. He's trying to get a contract with the company, but he needs a meeting with Vince McMahon. And so the king decides to help him out, but he still can't get the meeting with Vince McMahon. So now if he can beat too much, Jerry the King Lawler has promised him this meeting. With Vince McMahon... If he can beat, if he can beat, uh, if he can win a handicap match, essentially, it's not. A, it's a tag match. Oh, okay. Al Snow comes out. He has no theme song. <laughs> I hate Head. I hate this gimmick. I love Head. Of course you do. Everybody loves Head. What, are, what does everybody love? Bed. What does everybody need? Sleep. <laughs> there are several mannequin heads in the crowd. This is something you would buy. You're the mark that buys. The head mannequin at the gift shop stand. What do you do with this? Well, if you have re- if you have wrestling masks, you can actually showcase them off, you know, on them. But I'd buy it just for head to say "Help me" across the forehead. A fan hands Al Snow a male mannequin head. Did you see this? No. Yes. And he hands it to him. Says, "Here you go." And Al Snow gets all confused and sells it off. Like, why is head? Head's got a, you know, a boyfriend, and it was really funny. Anyway. Before the match begins, we get an announcement that there's been a special ref assigned for this match. It's none other than Jerry the King Lawler, who just happens to have a ref shirt at the announce table, too. They've got gasoline at the announce table. They've got ref shirts. It's a one-stop shop. It is. What I do like is that he's going to ref in his crown. He remembers to take his crown in there. Yes, but I think something's fishy here. Really? You think he might be a slight... I think something's fishy here. Usually special refs call it right down the middle. Right down the middle. Every time. I've never seen a special ref 
I mean, they, they know the job. They know it's important. So here we go. JR is going to get to call the match by himself. This is very rare that on a WWF telecast, we get a JR solo call. JR keeps saying Al Snow is a court low. What does that mean? That he is he, not all there. That's, an, that's a term for like oil, though. His motor is a court low. I'm pointing but to it, my brain. But it probably still runs fine. It doesn't run at peak. Okay. Performance. What, right. What if I told you he's a couple of French fries short of full Happy that, Meal? That would be fine. Okay. And it would work better with the king because it's the Burger King. So ah, then you're making fry puns. Yeah. There you go. Snow's going to start with Scotty Too Hotty. He beats him up with... Uh, Mainly strikes to start the match. Brian Christopher. This is just too too sexy Brian Christopher, not Grandmaster. He tags in and he spits on head. Disgusting. If I was head, I'd whoop his ass. Yeah. King stops Al Snow from striking Brian Christopher. It's like they have a connection. Gotta open the hand. (laughs) Gotta keep it fair. Open the hand. Snow hits a sunset flip powerbomb on Brian Christopher off the turnbuckle. But Lawler counts extremely slow on the pinfall attempt. I thought that was a great count. Right down the middle. Right down the middle. Snow and too much battle on the ringside area. Brian Christopher gets body slammed onto the concrete. Then Scott Taylor works with Snow in the ring for a little while. Al Snow hits too much with a double DDT. Then Al Snow tags in head, and he uses it as a weapon. So they're double teaming too much now. Yeah. Which I still don't I, I still don't count them as a tag team, Patrick. I'm they sorry. Are a tag team. I don't think even under the Freebird rule that these guys qualify as a tag team. That Head and Al Snow or you don't think they're a tag team? I don't think so. No. Al Snow hits the snowplow on yes. Scott Taylor, but the King will not count this cover. He was distracted by the fans. He goes outside and he goes to the announce table and he gets more junk. He's got more junk he at this announce table. He gets a bottle of Head and Shoulders. <laughs> so now this is for this is for Head as a gift because apparently Head the man dandruff. had dandruff, you know. So so he hands it to Brian Christopher. Brian then decides to insert it, insert it oh. into the hole oh. at the neck. Oh, it was an empty bottle. By it the was way. an empty bottle, by the way. Anyway. And pins he, he pins a mannequin head and a shampoo bottle. You know how for the he, win. you know how he pinned it? Cause the head it had shoulders. One, two, three. Eight minutes, twenty six seconds. I guess Al Snow's career's done. Greatest match of all time. <laughs> I know it's right up there for you. I love gimmick matches though, and this is one of my favorite ones. King it's- grabs the mic to explain to the crowd what happens that yes, it was a bottle of head and shoulders. That is brilliant. This doesn't belong on a pay-per-view. On a Raw, this would be fine. That is brilliant, dude. That is brilliant. I've, if I was booking a show and I was going to book a finish for something weird like that, I would do that exact finish. That's Ooh, brilliant. Yikes. I would actually prefer this match as opposed to our next match because it features X-Pac. <laughs> X-Pac and Owen Hart are up next. Owen costs X-Pac his tournament match for the King of the Ring tournament. X-Pac returned the favor a week later and cost Owen his spot, so here we go. Well, he also hit him in the back of the head with a steel chair and split the base of his neck open. It took nine staples to close it. X-Pac is out with China. It takes out X- We get a lot of X-Pac's Titantron here. I think he was finishing smoking a cigarette or something out back. We get 
almost the entire X-Pac song, which I, I rarely remember, like, all... There's a lot of verses to the X-Pac yeah, theme song, and really we, we got a lot of it's it. It's not here. like a standard DX. It, he had his own special... Rap. Yeah. What always bothered me about his Titantron, though, is at they took no highlights after the night he debuted. So all of it in his video is him in that jack, that leather jacket the night after WrestleMania yeah. 14 when right. he debuted. Right. And him walking to the ring, shaking his arms... And then him getting in the turnbuckle and shaking his arms. There's no match footage anywhere no. in this thing. And they never put it in. No. Even to this day, if he was to come out today, it would still have this same two minutes worth of footage. So Owen is out. He comes out to his Nation of Domination theme song, which is basically an Owen remix of The Rock's theme song, if you think about it. Because The Rock's theme song is just the Nation theme with Rock, Rock. talking over it. So this is Enough is Enough and It's Time for a Change, Owen Hart. This is construction worker. Over caution. Caution. Day. He throws caution to the wind. Ah. X-Pac hits a baseball slide immediately, and they start fighting on the outside. Owen is going to work X-Pac's Bach. <laughs> X-Pac. It's hard to say back and X-Pac. So it's... He's going to work X-Pac's back. back. Okay, thank you. Not X-Pac's Bach or X-Pac's back. If you're in Minnesota, maybe you work X-Pac's back. He whips Pac to the ropes so hard that he bounces off the turnbuckles. One of those, you threw me so hard in the turnbuckles, I couldn't just stop myself. Owen hits a perfect plex, a fisherman suplex for a two count. Goes back and forth for a while, and then Owen locks in a sleeper. This causes X-Pac to hulk up, hit the X-Factor, but he can't capitalize because he's... His back's too hurt. We get a Bronco Buster, and Owen gets his hands way up to make sure that he doesn't get hit in the face with Xbox balls. Then Owen tries a Superplex, but they can't figure it out on this turnbuckle, and they just kind of both give up and then fall off the buckle. Xbox falls all the way outside the ring, and then this is where Mark Henry shows up and splashes him. Then Mark Henry and China stare down, but then Vader... Out of nowhere. For no reason... Runs out and attacks Mark Henry. This is how... Was you, was Mark Henry and Vader feuding? I think this was the start and the end. I don't think I don't think this ever paid off. I think Vader left soon after. You know you're doing pretty badly if they book you in a feud with Mark Henry. <laughs> so yeah, Vader runs out and then fights Mark Henry off. Now while this is going on, Owen is distracted by it. China sneaks in, DDT's Owen, and then X-Pac gets the win in 8 minutes and 30 seconds. What'd you think of this... Whatever this was. This was shit. <laughs> this was bad. X-Pac got a black eye somehow in this match. I think from a drop kick from Owen, so serves you right. Mr. Karate Man, I hate X-Pac sucks. He's one of... When we finally do a list episode, he's definitely going to be in my top ten least favorite. When we went to that Rome thing and it was Scott Hall and X-Pac, I didn't even bother with his autograph. I don't care about that guy, Sean Waltman. I just don't care. Well, you made a comment you were going to take a, a special DVD with you to get autographed, but... I'm sure I'm not the first person. I'm sure someone else has done that. I'm sure. Made jokes about it, but actually No, I think they actually did, did it. it. I guarantee you, if I was to get on eBay and search One Night in China, signed, I bet there's an autographed copy out there. <laughs> That's disturbing. Paul Bearer is out next. He said he wouldn't miss this night for the world. for the world. I took two of the worst beatings I've ever taken 
Undertaker broke into his house and beat him up. Undertaker's a real asshole. He talks about Kane's tough childhood. He never got to go play outside, Patrick. No, his scars. The sun hurt his scars. But his childhood, outside of the whole being burned alive and not being able to play with the children, it sounds a lot like your childhood. He just stood inside and watched wrestling all day, and his Pretty parents much. said, don't do that. And I was like, okay. So... That's Paul Bear's promo. But he, I, I like Paul Bear's promo. Maybe you can put it in. Uh, I love how he closed it out. You can laugh at the fat man. Oh yeah. While I'm laughing all the way to the bank, I just that was hilarious. But uh, we move on. The New Age Outlaws are next. They're the tag team champions. We keep doing these New Age Outlaws matches, and Road Dog Jesse James keeps saying gay shit about Billy Gunn every time he's on the mic. Because this week, the other week he said him and Billy do it doggy style. And then this week he says, Billy Gunn is harder than steel. That's, they're getting a little, uh... Oh, and, and Triple H later on in the night has a really weird line. <laughs> they're taking on, here's your favorite tag team of all time. It's definitely the one you remember. The Midnight Express. No. And James E. Cornette. The new Midnight Express. No, Patrick, this is the only Midnight Express that ever existed. It's Whoa. Bodacious Bob and Bombastic Bart. Bart Gunn and Bob Holly. It's a battle of brothers. It's yes. Bart Gunn versus Billy Gunn in this tag team title match. They are the NWA tag team champions. They really were the NWA tag champs at the time. That's what makes That's this correct. even funnier. This is the this invasion. Wasn't, this wasn't a WCW, or I mean, a WWE gimmick. This was, they really were the tag team champs. But their belts aren't on the line. The big ones no. are, in JR's opinion. The real ones are on the line. This match also was made as a bonus match. This has no build-up to it whatsoever. Right. So that tells you how it's going to go. We get Road Dogg starting out with Bob Holly. 
Billy Gunn gets a tag, and then Bart Gunn gets a tag. So now we get a Smoking Guns reunion. Billy hits a Famouser on Bart for a two count, and Billy stands over Bart and says, Suck it, suck it, suck it. Then Road Dog tags in. Bart and Bob work him over, and then Billy gets the hot tag, lifts Bob up for the pile driver, but Cornette smashes him with the tennis racket. Bob covers. Billy Gunn kicks out of the tennis racket, Patrick. No selling that tennis racket. Shame. For shame. That is sad. Cornette tries to hit Billy with a belt. He's got the NWA tag belt, and he tries to hit Billy Gunn with it. But China low blows Jim Cornette, who sells it like it's the most painful thing that's ever happened to him. The New Age Outlaws hit a hit a hot shot. On Bodacious uh, Bob. No, it's... Oh, yeah, it is Bodacious Bob. Bodacious Bob, bombastic bark. They hit a hot shot on Bodacious Bob and get the win in a little over nine minutes. So there you go. Nine minutes, 34 seconds. That was a rough master watch. What do you mean? This is your favorite tag team. You just said it the other week on the show. Not, no, not the new Midnight Express. The original Midnight Their Express. Their pants just say Midnight Express, Patrick. So Actually, they just say me. Yeah, that's really weird. They just say me. They don't really say Midnight Express. They just say me. Here's it a- took me a while to actually put that together because I was like, why did it say me? <laughs> You're not me. I'm me. I'm me. Like, why do you say And then I was like, oh, M-E, Midnight Express. Gotcha. So this pay-per-view is chopped to hell because the DX music hits, and now Triple H is coming out to join us. He's the reigning king of the ring, but he's injured. So why not put him on commentary? He's got his stupid cabbie hat on. It's a really bad look. China walks out with him. That's why I said it's chopped, because China has to be the fastest woman on the planet. She was just out with the New Age Outlaws and has now run to the back and come back out. Well, she was just out with uh, X-Pac, too. Right. Three China matches in a row, basically. You, you went from X-Pac, Owen, with China. You had Outlaws versus the New Midnight Express, China. Now you're getting China yet again. <laughs> I mean, it's, there's, give her a damn match in between for a bathroom break. Shit. They put her on commentary for this match as well. But she's on the Spanish. Spanish. But they want to highlight her so much that they put the match on a split screen so you can see China on the Spanish commentary team. Well, it, they want to make you believe that she actually can talk. It seemed like she did. This is the first time I believe she's ever talked. She's ever spoken in WWE. Maybe. Maybe that was that was part of the joke is that she doesn't speak English and that's yeah. why that's why we never hear her talk. Right. I see. Okay, I get it now. This is our King of the Ring finals match. The Rock is out first. He is glistening. Lex Luger would be proud of this shiny <laughs> man. Shamrock is out next. He's also glistening. And he's got the crazed look in his eyes. The way, because he's unstable. He's like a, a loose cannon or maybe a uh, the lunatic fringe. Oh, the lunatic Ken Shamrock fringe. is a lunatic fringe. After some strikes, The Rock bails outside. China is with the Spanish announce team. Triple H tells the announcer she's just talking about Taco Bell. And then Triple H says, there's a lot of things I am. He calls himself a bisexual. I'll have to splice it in. There's <laughs> China has joined our Spanish commentators. Take no crap from those guys, China. Alguien puede entrar de DX. 
What did, what did she uh, What did she say? Something about Taco Bell. I don't know. They want to go to Taco Bell or something. They run, want a run, burrito supreme. Run for the border. You're not run. bilingual? Huh? You're not bilingual? There's a lot of bi things I am, but lingual is not one of them. This is where JR mentions that Stone Cold had a staph infection earlier this week, and now he's wrestling in the main event tonight. What an idiot. Triple H spits water in The Rock's face. Is that a DQ? No. Now, we've talked about this before. Water is just water. Let it go. They fight in front of the announce tables. Rock hits Shamrock with a clothesline after he bounces off the guardrail. Then Rock hits a swinging netbreaker for a two count. Rock hits a big DDT for a two count. A people's elbow for a two count. A float over DDT for a two count. And then finally, Shamrock gets some offense and he hits a power slam for two. Then a fisherman suplex that did not look near as good as Owens for a two count. The Rock hits a scoop slam for a two count. Then he tries another float over DDT, and this is where Shamrock suplexes him into a pin. It's like a Northern Lights suplex for a two. Mike Kyoto's count, his three count, gets faster as this match progresses for some reason. He was getting excited. He's ready to get out of there. He looks blown up. It must have been hot in that arena because the three of these guys sweat buckets. They look like Shane McMahon. (laughs) Shamrock gets the ankle lock and a clean submission victory over The Rock in 14 minutes and 9 seconds. We have a new... King of the Ring in Ken Shamrock. And boy, what a reign it will be. Like, for instance, what's the first thing you remember about Austin's big King of the Ring win, Patrick? Austin 316 says, I just whipped your ass. He cut a huge promo that changed the trajectory of his career. You know what Ken Shamrock said after he won? What? Nothing. Because they didn't even bother interviewing him. Nope. Well, and think about it, go back to it. When Brett won, it started the feud with Brett and King with Lawler. Right. The Memphis when, exchange. When Owen won, it started the feud between Brett and Owen. When Austin won... Well, you're forgetting the King-Mabel year. Well, um, give me a second here. <laughs> when Austin won, you had that memorable, you know, memorable deal. And after that, you really didn't have Jack Squat. You had King-Mabel, which actually sold the gimmick for a good year. Making those poor when people anybody, carry his big ass out there. They should never assign that gimmick. I hate that the... I'm glad that this has gone away because this King gimmick ruins people. It ruins whatever momentum you've had going. So you didn't like King Booker? No. I didn't like King Booker. I didn't like King Barrett. King well, I didn't Sheamus. Like King Barrett. <laughs> yeah, because Bad News Barrett was awesome. Bad News Barrett was going great. And then yeah. they cut his dick off and said, oh, now you're the king. No more talking for you. Please carry the scepter around. Yeah. It just sucks. And in hindsight, knowing that Ken Shamrock never really turned out to be the guy that they wanted him to be, they should have went ahead and thrown that fucking cape on him. They should have embarrassed him and made him be the king, but... I don't know why they didn't give it to The Rock. The Rock didn't need it. He's already over. He's over, yes. And he's the IC champion. Those two things are basically equals. But if you put it on him, you would have skyrocketed him into the fact of it had been him and Austin a lot sooner. Ah, uh, they were getting there anyway. It was They were getting there. I'm just saying you got there faster. I don't I don't think he needed it. I would be too afraid too that he would try to work in king puns, you know. Yeah. He he might be able to get him over, you know. If anybody can do it, it's it's the rock, but for Ken Shamrock's big win, JR says Congratulations. <laughs> and he just says it to us. He doesn't even say it to Ken Shamrock. So there you go. That's the the namesake of this pay-per-view. That's the big payoff. 
And now... The real main event. Now we are at the reason I picked this pay-per-view. This is Mankind versus The Undertaker, Hell in a Cell, and it is without a doubt our first major memorable moment here on Retro Wrestling. Well, other than we did WrestleMania 17. That wasn't, there wasn't a lot of memorable moments. It's the greatest pay-per-view in the TLC. Okay, yeah. That's Austin true. Rock 2. That's true. WrestleMania X7, I mean, is full of moments. That is true. But but none as big as this. This is this the, is the greatest. Well, this has to be the most replayed moment in WWF. Even more they replay this, I would say more than Hogan slamming Andre. This it's very match, close. This match happened what, 17 years ago almost. Uh, it happened it happened a little over 18 years ago. 98. 98. 2008. Yeah, you're right. And without a shadow of a doubt, it is the most talked about match probably in the history of professional wrestling. Yeah, I mean, Mick Foley has made a career out of talking about this match. That's true. I mean, his books, his stand-up gigs, all his DVDs. So we He's get- on Raw two or three weeks ago telling... Sasha and Charlotte, as if they hadn't seen the match or whatever, telling right. them how dangerous it is. Right. So, yes, this is... I mean, it's, it changed Mick Foley's career from being down here to way... It made him a legend. Yeah. Instantly. Because, Instantly. I mean, he was... People were seeing... He was well-respected within Insider. People that really love wrestling had already fell... They had already fallen in love with Mick Foley a long time ago. And he, he had that cult following... But he didn't. He wasn't won over by every single fan until this match. Yes, this is what this match made Mick Foley the most loved character in pro wrestling history. And I don't think you can argue that fact because there's not a single person out there that you say Mick Foley and they're not like, "Oh my God, I hate that dude." No, every single person talks about, holy crap, Mick Foley's the greatest. Well, and they also say, yeah, Hell in a Cell, King of the Ring 98 is is the other. So we start off, we got Mick Foley coming out. The cell is lowered from the ceiling. I say this crowd doesn't know what they're in store for. Nope. And this is this is the one pay-per-view that I wish that I was at. Yes. Um, there are other ones like Bash at the Beach 96, uh, other big moments in pay-per-views, but this is the one that I always was jealous that these 17,000 people got to see the two biggest bumps, you know, in pro wrestling history. And yeah. Mankind, his old music hits, his old piano ballad. He comes out. He's bringing some plunder, baby. He's got a steel chair with him. He walks in, he walks back out, he's walking around. He goes, screw this, and chucks the chair on top of the cell. Gets it in the first try. Gets it in the first try. Unlike his match with Triple H. Had he not got it in the first try, I got a feeling it was going to land on a fan's head. Just saying. It actually could have maybe saved him a few teeth had that chair (laughs) not gone up to the top of the cell. That is very true. Then he proceeds to climb it. Why not? Go with it. Start, Start at the top of the cell. Work your way down. Then we have The Undertaker. He's going to make this man with a broken foot climb to the top of the cell, (laughs) is what he's doing. And I love the fact that you have that picture, that shot of 
Foley walking around the top of the cell, and then the lights go out for Taker. And Foley was literally just like a couple of feet from the edge of the cell. Like, how the hell did he not see or not fall off, really and truly? Oh, that would have been great. I'm just saying. Like, and uh, Undertaker's in his leather robe, his yeah. pre-ministry look, his pre-highway to hell look. This is my favorite Undertaker look, is this. Really? Leather robe. I hate Biker Taker. I hate this current Taker that's like a mix between... Between Biker and Dead Man. Yeah, I don't like hat. Yeah. I don't like hat Taker. And uh, so this is my favorite. See, I like Purple Glove. I like Purple Glove, too. And then I like when he actually... Phantom of the Opera. The Phantom of the Opera bone. with the mask. Yeah. The mask, I don't know, was what added me to it even Phantom more. Phantom of the Opera Taker, yeah. yeah. But he comes out. And he walks past these pyro cannons, which are like... He won't do that anymore after he got set on fire that one year. Yeah, no. And so uh, he walks out there. He looks up, sees Mick. All right, we're going to do this up there. Let's go. Rips his jacket off, and he takes off climbing. Yep, he scales the cage, and the crowd comes to their feet where they would be for the rest of the match. Mick Foley gets down there. Throwing a couple of punches. Taker jumping. Gets a few licks in to where he finally gets to the very top. Foley grabs the chair. Hits Taker twice with it on his back. At this point in time, Taker throws a couple of uppercuts. Gets back in advantage. You see where Foley is stumbling over. And you see him turn. And you just hear... Can't really hear it, but you could tell it if you're in the business... Where all he says is just do it. And Taker chucks him off the side of that cell. Okay. That's not exactly what happened. Okay, but no. Didn't you explain it? Hold because on, that's no. exactly what happened. Oh, okay, yes. It, in Patrick's mind, that's what happened. That's but what happened. Before that happens, as they're walking over there, they step in a corner of one of those squares at the top of the cell and almost and it, both they, go almost, through that's true. right there. That's that would have been a great. That would have been great too. The guy with the broken foot can't control his fall right at right at the start. Now you, oh yeah, Undertaker th- chucked him. No, Undertaker very gingerly. Oh bull. Oh, Patrick. Oh, bull. Patrick, he takes four oh, or five bull. steps on his own. Oh bull. Okay. You can go back to the tape. The tape speaks for itself. I will go back to the tape. Then. Yeah. He says, do it. And the Undertaker glances his his hands off of Mick's back, and Mick takes it from there. Because if he was to actually... Well, Mick was in control the whole time. I'm not denying well, okay, that. Okay, yeah. If he had actually chucked, he couldn't control his landing if he had right. just been thrown off. Mick yeah. took two steps before he dove. I mean, Mick was in control, but I mean, it, I don't know. It, it was a good sell job then. I believe well, in real really... time, it looks fine. Yeah. But when you go back to watch it, you see that this is very carefully orchestrated. But he thuds on that table, yeah, and I... it explodes. I say that he actually nailed the landing. He did it perfectly. If you could... I don't know, man. Because One he put shoulder... himself right between the two monitors. One shoulder, well, yeah, but it kind of made him overshoot it just a little bit because one shoulder hit the table and the other shoulder and hip hit concrete. And that was it. There was no table there. There was no nothing. I think he did fine. It was, I mean... I think he nailed it. Oh, I mean, it's the most epic fall in professional wrestling history. And that's when we get JR's most famous call ever. Good God Almighty. Good God Almighty. They've killed him. As God is my witness, he is broken in half. Undertaker fighting back. He's fighting back. They're out of 
folks, and I don't like it a damn bit. Oh, my God. Poetry from the voice of Jr. He sounds. What I like about Jr. is he sounds so authentic when he does it. He's not like like this year at WrestleMania when Michael Cole is like, Shane, don't do it, please, Shane, no. <laughs> it doesn't sound authentic when Jr. Right. said this. It sounded like well, that's because nobody going into this match knew, except for Mick and Taker, that they were going to do this. Right, but even then, there's. Because we've talked with Mick, we've heard the backstory to it, and we, you know, Mick's a good friend, and uh, I, yeah. Anyway, so they start raising the cell up just a little bit, and everybody's freaking out on commentary. Well, why are they raising the cell? Undertaker's on top. Well, duh, they got to get the stretcher around to check on Mick. Yes, Terry Funk is first to the scene. Breaking the storyline, you know, breaking kayfabe. He's there, Commissioner Slaughter's there, Vince even shows up. And this wasn't like pissed off Vince. This wasn't corn cob. He looked pissed off. This wasn't corn cob up his butt, Vince. This was straight up. I don't know about that. Go back and look at his face. He doesn't look thrilled to be walking over there. I mean, so Undertaker, yes, I have right here. I have at this point in time. You hear a fan. I love this. You hear a fan go, "Get up, Mick. Finish the match." (laughs) That's you. (laughs) And I'm like, dude, what the fuck? He just flew 16 feet. Almost 20 feet off of a cell. All right, but I have it right here. If Mankind, Mick Foley, did not get up and restart this match and it was ended right then and there, would it be as historic as you No. I can already answer that for you. Really? Would you be as satisfied with the match? I would feel cheated almost. Really? Even though you just saw... Look at the rest of this card. Even though you saw this horrific, hellacious bump. I understand that, but at the same time, it's like I've had... These matches before this, when we get to the ratings thing, without this match to be what it was on this card, this is a very, very bad. Yeah, and so I would feel cheated if you spent thirty or forty bucks on this thing at home and you expect it. You saw bad. If you saw Bad Blood '97 and saw what a great match Sean and Taker had, I'd want some of that. You know, I'd yeah. want because. Even though Sean didn't come off the very top of the cell, he still took a bump off the side of the cell. So it's not like. You had never seen anything. Ex- it wasn't exactly the same, but it was in the same sense. Sean was only six feet up. Well, he was hanging off the side, per- so he fell six feet, just a little higher than the. He ring fell. Rate. I. He fell from ten feet. Okay. Because if he was standing on top, there's your extra five feet or whatever. So that's so okay. So you're looking at Mick fell twenty feet. Well, Mick fell f- more. Yeah, but. More than 20 feet. Mick fell about 25. That's insane, dude. Really think about that. Well, that's a hellacious bump. I'm, I'm aware, but like I say, I'm a jaded wrestling fan. Right. And I've already seen Shawn Michaels do something similar. I also want a good match. I also want to see the so rest of the So you wouldn't match. have been happy. Just plain and simple. You wouldn't have been happy if it ended right there. No, no. I, th- I would have been I impressed. I think Mick Foley felt the same way because Mick then gets back up. Well, what he did by doing this also is he ruined the stretcher gimmick for everybody else 
Because now, anytime someone's on a stretcher, they're getting up. They're coming back. And that's what they always do. And this was, I'm sure this had been done before, but this is the most memorable. Like, every, every wrestler today saw this match. And so, at WrestleMania 30, when we saw Daniel Bryan get carted off on that gurney, I'm saying, <laughs> we were both I can just saying, count he's it coming down. Back. <laughs> he, before he, he's not even halfway up the ramp. I felt and he's bad coming for Randy back. Orton on that one, though. That was a bad bump for Randy. The problem with that is, is I really thought that. Also, <laughs> I want to pick on the EMTs because this is another week when they don't use the board. They don't flat back <laughs> this guy. They, they just throw him. They just they shovel him on a on a stretcher and say, "Hey, good enough." Rolling back. That was where the match was going to stop. Nothing else was planned from that point on. Taker thought if he lived through it and got back up, they would finish the match. If he didn't, then that was the end of the match. And so they hadn't planned anything to talk to Mick. They hadn't planned anything past that spot. Plain and simple. Oh, no. I'm sure that we can discuss this also. But something that happens on the top of the cell coming up tells me that... That wasn't planned. (laughs) This is always this is going to be the argument of all arguments forever because there's no way to ever know. It's just you one gonna, of those okay. Things. So okay. Anyway, no. I about the continuation of the match. Here's what'll happen if I get up from the stretcher and walk back. It, like once well, I, I get just, to a certain part on the ramp, I'm gone. The match is over. But until then, just hang out and wait for a minute, and then we'll do well, the rest. That's of what it. I loved was because either Taker sold it or he really believed the match was over because he was halfway crawling down when Mick got up. Well, also, when they were lifting, would you want to be on that top of that cell when that thing's being lifted up? That's very scary that they did that to that guy. He's got no safety harness I'm not going to be hanging off the side of it. I'd rather have something under my feet. Yeah, but he was heading down to the ground. I just want off the damn cell. I mean, yeah. if they're going to keep lifting it up, like, it, yeah. they should have given him a chance to get down. Like, Terry Funk or somebody could have gone up there and like what get thrown off then? <laughs> yeah, I mean, get thrown off into the in the other announce table. But uh, so Mick gets up. You see, great, great acting by uh, Earl Hetner. Earl Hetner's you know pulling on the shirt. No, Mick oh yeah, no, yeah, no. overacting from yeah. Earl Hetner. Yes, and uh, and Mick climbs back up, man, and all hell broke loose again. He grabs the cage so he does a great job of acting. You know, he grabs that cage so aggressively. He like, grips it like yeah. he, you believe. Like he is pissed at this point in time. Climbs back up. They meet in the middle. You have another chair shot. You have a couple of punches. No, there's no more. No chair more chair shots. shots. Yeah, there was. Taker had a chair no, shot. No, he grabs it and brings it over, but he just lays it down on the on oh, the okay. famous square. On the famous square of the most famous square in professional wrestling. Why this, did Undertaker this, drag that chair over? This this bump was not planned. I don't believe that. It was during during uh, Triple well, yeah, H. Well, yeah, because they gimmick the ring. Yeah, this bump was not planned. I, I that I'm telling you right now. I don't know about that. You've been in the ring. I've been in the ring. You know how hard that ring is. I'm aware. Okay. If they were going to take that bump, if they were going to gimmick the cage to take that bump, they would have gimmicked the ring because there is no way in hell he was going to land like that and not seriously be hurt. <laughs> and it well, knocked him the fuck out. Well, I, the chair definitely knocked him. I think the so, chair was unplanned. You hear? You hear some? You know? You got some punches? Like you said, Taker threw down the chair. Mick goes, choke Slimmy. Grabs him, turns around, picks him up, smack, and he just keeps falling. And fell all the way 
two, and it did. It looked like he was twisted and mangled out of a car wreck. But this is the second most infamous call that a lot of people don't talk about is you hear, good God almighty, and then you hear King go, that's it, he's dead. That's the one I love because that speaks volumes in itself, and it's just like not that. That's it. He's dead. Like there's no coming back. It's done. <laughs> it's over. He's fucked. It's finished. Scrape him off. Let's go on. And uh, and that this is another reason why I know it wasn't gimmick because those EMTs were slammed right in there. I mean, they were really worried about me. Yeah, but they weren't. Well, yeah, he just got hit in the head with this flying chair. The chair is the part that's not planned. The whole thing wasn't planned. How would The Undertaker know not to stand on that square? How do they know? They did stand on it. But he... When they battled at the first. Undertaker is on a different square when he th- when he choke slams Mick Foley instead of choke slamming. If No, he was on the beam. He was right there on the edge. But he wasn't on the square... I'm just saying it's a little too. So you're you're one of these people that are conspiracy theories. I think that they knew they knew that the cell wasn't that strong. I mean, they had already almost fallen through it walking through it. So do you think it was gimmicked, or do you think it was? Hey, let's try it and see what happens. See the way that it breaks because it still break. It doesn't break as as obvious as the one that Triple H threw him through right because that one just it it's like on hinges it just swings right open like a trap door right i still don't think it would break so cleanly like it did that i just have my doubts about this i don't think that this was passed through vince i don't think they went to vince and said you know that we got we got a really good idea here that's one of those things that you just you don't ask for permission, you ask for forgiveness, and you right. just go ahead and, you and just do go it. with it. And, yeah. and so I—that's why I think, yeah, to everybody except Undertaker, Mick Foley. Yes, it wasn't planned, but I think Mick had an inkling. You know, he was pretty big at this point. He's almost three hundred like, pounds. Yeah, he was hitting the three three twenty mark. So. And so he probably knew just enough pressure. I'll go through that thing. The chair falls him down, knocks his teeth out. Yes. One is sticking out of his nose. Yes, it goes up through his uh, nostril there and comes back out on his mouth. And this is where Jr. says that he's smiling when, in fact, he's just trying to breathe because he's got a mouth full of blood well, and busted teeth. Mick always says that he thought on his bottom jaw where he got hit with the chair right there that he thought there was a hole in his bottom lip and he was trying to stick his tongue through it because uh, he thought that would be creepy. And so he was trying to sell it, by st- and it just made it look like he was smiling. Foley eventually makes it to his feet, and this is where Jerry Lawler says he believes that Foley might be indestructible. I'm skipping the part where, okay, after he gets knocked out by the chair, this is where uh, Terry, Terry, Terry Funk, Funk gets goes in. in there and mixes it up so that Mick Terry can wake Funk, up. Yeah, Terry Funk buys him some time and, and gets, gets choke slammed out, out of his shoes. <laughs> now, now, and he's got big white socks on. Did not get just choke slammed. Got choke slammed out of his tennis shoes, and then nicely his, rolled out of the ring. And, and I love to hear Mick tell this story because Mick goes, "I just came to and was like, why is there tennis shoes in the ring?'" <laughs> so then, um, after the smiling bit, Mick is up walking around, and Undertaker decides, you know, I might try old school here. 
Yeah. And Mick Foley can't stand up, so he just crashes into the ropes and knocks Mick Foley was, was knocked out at this point. Uh, yes. He was he was aw- he was, he was awake. Concussed. He was awake, but he was not he, he was, was the walking dead. Yes. And uh, Commissioner Slaughter decides, now I think I'm going to lock the door. <laughs> <laughs> like I love I love Mick or I mean uh JR. Well, now they're locking him in there. Who the hell made that decision? Yeah. <laughs> then Foley goes for the steps, but he can't lift them. Undertaker can though, and I he... think he dislocated his his shoulder. Yeah, his his arm was dragging. Uh, Undertaker instead grabs the stairs and batters uh, Mick with the steps in the corner of the cell. Well, Undertaker tries a tope. He goes through the middle rope, but then he hits the cage wall with his face, and he decides, I think I'll blade from this. Yeah. Mick has done no no offense whatsoever, and. That cage busted him open. Yeah, the cage did it. And then Mick uh, cheese grates Taker's face in the cell to, to sell the blood. Then Mick gets in the ring and pile drives the Undertaker on a chair in the center of the ring. Goes for a pin, one, two, Only a two count. He leg drops the chair on the face of the Undertaker. Then we get the double arm DDT. And then Mick goes outside and gets his goodie bag. Some more plunder, baby. Some plunder, baby. What could be in that bag, Patrick? Man, I'm going to tell you right now. I have been in matches with thumbtacks. Those damn things get in your feet. They go through your tennis shoes. I have Everywhere. They get everywhere. I was refing a match that they did thumbtacks and went on for another 20 minutes, and I had thumbtacks sticking out of the bottom of my shoes. So and it just and sticking all the way through it because they were small, thin soles. They were sticking through into my feet, as, and it hurt to walk on them. So Mick's got his bag of thumbtacks, a shitload of thumbtacks. This is a in this ton bag. of thumbtacks, man. He uses the mandible claw on Taker, but Taker piggybacks Mick over to the tacks and drops him in it. But not in all of it. Not and so in all Mick of it. decides to He's gonna roll. Roll through them. He rolls get, into it to sell the sell. Get the nicely move. covered. Yeah. Then Taker chokeslams him directly on the giant, giantest pile now, of he tacks. he squared that one up, yeah. and that one hurt. Luckily for Mick, Tombstone is mercifully done not on the tacks. Taker faces away from the tacks for the Tombstone. Nice guy. Yeah. He finally had some had mercy. Had he Tombstone him on the tacks, that would be oh, it. That, that had he Tombstone him on the tacks, I'd be like, fuck it. It's, it's, there's no way in hell he's wrestling again. <laughs> like, I thought he was indestructible because he kept getting up. No, he's dead now. Like... But uh, Tombstone with a merciful pin of one, two, three. Undertaker wins the match in 17 minutes in what, yes, is the most recognizable cell match and maybe one of the, if not the greatest, uh, recognizable match of all time. Not the greatest in match quality, but the most famous clips ever. Most talked about. I mean, it, it really is. And I love the camera shot. You see Taker as he's, I mean, he really does. He's got a broken foot. And yeah. As he's, he mopes he's slowly back. moping back. Like, you see the camera shot through Because you ca- never see Taker leave. Through the cage, and you see him slowly walking as it's through the, uh, that was just, that was, I don't know. It was just, that yeah. was great camera work. Well, that was. The only other time we saw Taker leave was at WrestleMania 30, and it was under similar circumstances where. Yeah. He was hurt, and he hobbles his ass to the back. But at least he got the win out of this match. Yeah. Uh, the EMTs go go to scoop up Mrs. Foley's baby boy, but he shrugs them off again, and he's going to get the hero's exit. We get Foley chance now from the audience, but his night, Patrick, is not over. <laughs> it is not, and I really thought, 
like, screw it. After all I've done, I'm not doing any more. I'm going home for I'm the night. I'm going home. You're not seeing me for a couple weeks. A promo recaps the Austin and Kane feud. If Kane loses tonight, he will set himself on fire. On fire. Fink has the ring introductions. Kane is out first with Paul Bear. Kane only has his left hand exposed. We talked about why. He doesn't want a staph infection. It has nothing to do with the stipulations of this match. I think it actually has to do with the fact that he didn't want exposed skin to get busted open. But it worked in favors of, I don't want a staph infection as well. It's It works for both. Yeah. I mean, if he was... Okay, what we talked about last week, the logic of first blood matches, Austin should come out there in like an astronaut suit. Yeah. You know, like... Yeah. Don't come out there in just your tights, your trunks, or and Kane. Also, why even have your hand exposed? Just wear another glove. Yeah. Now you have even less chance. Like, wouldn't it have been some shit if Kane had to set himself on fire because he cut his pinky finger? (laughs) Like, wouldn't? (laughs) Well, they clarified because Austin. Oh uh, yes, yes. uh, They. Yeah, I didn't know the rules, Patrick. I thought I knew the rules because it was simple. It was called first blood. I thought that pretty much told me the rules, but I didn't realize it was first specific type of blood from a specific part of your body. A which tiny det- little scrape was not Or a bloody stop. nose. Or a bloody nose. No, they were talking, this was, you were going to get real... That's bullshit. Real blood. That's bullshit. And so, I, I stand for the rules. I know you're a referee. <laughs> you believe in the rules. I am a firm believer I, in the rules. I, as a referee, you're in charge of what happens in that ring, but you're also in charge of making sure the fans get what they paid for. I understand the. sometimes the rules have to conflict with reality that we need to deliver. But the rules are the rules, you know? If in any, we try to pass this off as sport. In any sport, the rules are set out, and if you break them or you play by the rules, and if it ends early, you're just shit out of luck. Sorry. I mean, you knew the... I spent the money on the pay-per-view knowing that it's a first blood match. The first sign of blood, I should be I will accept yeah. the result. This changing of the rules. It's a very flexible system you guys use in the referee handbook, but no, I want to enforce that shit. <laughs> I want <laughs> I wanted this match to be over quickly. And also cuz it's with Kane and Austin and I this just get it. And Austin's got a damn staff infection. <laughs> <laughs> the champ is out next. The crowd drowns out Fink's announcement. They are so hot to see Steve Austin, who it, climbed out of a hospital bed to be here tonight. Literally, because his elbow is taped. I mean, his elbow is wrapped. Vince, like I said, is such a lucky guy. He is such a lucky guy that he has two loyal guys, The Undertaker and Austin, that would come and work this show. Because guess what? <laughs> If he was Eric Bischoff and it's Hogan and Kevin Nash, they'd have said, fuck you. They said, sorry, you're going to have to cancel the pay per view. So he's very fortunate. Everything is just sort of, it just always fell into place for Mr. McMahon. No, you're right. You're right. So the crowd goes nuts for Austin. And yes, his elbow is wrapped and it's swollen and it looks disgusting. (laughs) And I would be very concerned to get anywhere near this man. So that's why Kane is only having one hand exposed. Austin starts out with the Thez press and the strikes. The cell starts lowering as the two brawl on the outside of the ring. This gets a little dangerous here because Austin gets thrown into the steps and the lowering cell is still coming down and Kane holds him under the cell to where he almost gets squished by the lowering... Get decapitated. Yeah. 
That's so one way that's to get the, the real, first blood. That's the real guillotine right there. Off with their heads. Off with their heads. It all comes full circle. Bada bing, bada boom. So this would have been pretty na- a nasty way to end the match. Yeah, we would decapitate a man. Did they show who had the the clicker? No, the they, did they did That's not. That's bullshit. Because see, I, when I watch this back, I thought that the Undertaker had the remote in my mind, but no, they, he did not. They it led into a storyline later. The no, next, you're thinking about the briefcase. No, it led into a storyline later the next night, which is why they showed Austin, on Raw Austin, who did Austin, it? Austin made the argument that it was Paul Bear. They never showed it. Austin made the argument it was, though, which is why he wanted his rematch because he didn't sign up for Hell in a Cell. He signed up for First Blood. So anyway, Austin is thrown into the cell, and his back gets cut. Ding, ding, the match is over. No, it's a scrape. It's a tiny little speck. JR, I've, seen, I've seen kids on the playground get busted open. Worse JR catches it immediately and says that, Earl Hebner pledged not to stop the match from minor cuts or bloody noses. It has to be gruesome, horrific blood. Now the cell is being raised as Stone Cold traps Kane in the doorway. So now Kane is being lifted with the cell. They battle towards the entryway, and this is this woman took her life into her own hands. She touched Austin's back, and she freaked out because she got to touch Stone Cold Steve Austin's back. Well, congrats, you just got a staph infection. Because <laughs> he's bleeding off of his back. <laughs> Austin tries a pile driver on the concrete, but Kane back body drops him instead. Mr. McMahon is in his luxury suite with Sable, just taking in the taking in the match, having a good time. Kane suplexes Austin on the tiny little ramp at the uh, the King of the Ring entryway. Kane throws a security rail at Austin, just picks up the whole rail and chucks it at him. Someone at some point wiped Austin's back off, so there's no more blood on his back. We've taken care of the problem. They battle near the announce tables, and Kane gets hit with a fan. Austin picks up a fan from the announce table. There's so much plunder at these announce tables. A little Uh, just... A little white fan. A little fan that sits on a table. Earl takes a ref bump on the rails. This is when Mick Foley runs out with a chair. Austin beats the shit out of him. <laughs> he tears off part of the padding on his infected elbow here. He, I don't know, it was, I guess it was causing him discomfort, so he removed his outer cover on his nasty staff elbow. We get a stone-cold stunner on McFoley, a stone-cold stunner on Kane, and then Undertaker comes out, and he's wearing street clothes. It's very odd to see. He was in his gear just with a black shirt on over it. It's weird that Undertaker's in a t-shirt. He looks like... Uh, this is just a black t-shirt over it. He looks like your MMA guy with the gray t-shirt. Dan Severn? Yeah, he looks like Under Severn. Under Severn. There you go. Hey, now there's the gimmick. Austin rears back a chair, and then Taker uses a chair, and so basically Austin gets a concerto. They're, well, they're going to hit Mick. Mick drops at last second. And they smack into each other. Chairs smack into each other, which... Pushes it on to Austin's Austin's face. At this point in time, Austin blades. blades. Taker wakes up Earl with gasoline. Good morning. How would you like that for an alarm clock? Someone comes and dumps gasoline on you. That's some scary shit. And Earl sees that Austin is bloody, and Kane is the WWF champion. In 15 minutes, 58 seconds, to a chorus of shocked WWF fans... Paul Bear gets a title belt, and father and son will rule the WWF forever. Vince is up in his luxury suite. He nods and smiles 
and basically says to the camera, I told you so, and the pay-per-view just suddenly ends. Yep. So there you have it. A brand new era, the Kane era. What a title reign. What a memorable title reign. Awesome. Legendary. Stuff that people talk about for years. Right. It ended the next night on Raw. Yeah. When (laughs) Paul Bearer foolishly agreed to let Kane have a rematch with Austin. Why would you do that? I don't know. Well, you do it because you can't have Kane being your champion in 1998. That wouldn't have worked. I think it would have. Ever since then, Kane never really got a good run with a title. If they put it on him before he got beat by Taker at WrestleMania with the three tombstones, the shine was a little off. He was still a monster, but he was a little less of a monster than he could have been. What do you think of this match? Other than a blatant disregard for the rules. It was a good match. And also, what was Austin's strategy on how to bust this man open? Back of his head. How was the ref going to see that with a man with... Also, Kane's tights are red, so the blood would just sort of mix in. He's got brown hair, red hair. Truthfully, why did... If I was Austin, I wouldn't have even accepted the match. I'd have been like, no. Plus, he wears a mask. I mean, come on. What are you going to do, rip the mask off? No, that's Triple H's job to demask Kane. No one else gets that shine. Yeah, I thought this was fine. Uh... It was more of a TV main event, though, than a... This isn't a real pay-per-view main event type match. Right, well, it was With all the interference and all the bullshit. Yeah. The real main event happened before that. I mean, how are you going to top Hell in a Cell, so... You can't. I think that's why this match isn't talked about, because how can you... Literally, just moments before, how can you top what they just did? Well, this pay-per-view is largely skippable, except that one match... I wouldn't want to see the. I don't ever want to see the rest of this pay per view. Really, the first blood match I could watch again. Oh, I know you want to see Al Snow and Head take on. Took the words right out of my mouth. Too much. I love that match. The rest of it is just garbage. There's nothing of note on the show other than oh that one biggest Hell in a Cell match ever. The greatest one ever. Wouldn't say it's the greatest. I think bad. Really, I think bad blood's better. Really, yeah. I, in terms of match quality, I differ with you. The ending is a sour note in that one, but I, it made sense because you had to debut Kane. I differ but with you completely. You love Shawn Michaels. I do. You think that this match with two big spots? No, there was more than just two spots. This match was brilliant. This match had blood. This match had two huge spots. This match also had barbed uh, not barbed wire but uh thumbtacks i mean it was it was hardcore cage match at its best basically i think most people will disagree with you about the terms of the match ranking really you think that most people will think sean and taker was better yes i think so even though this one is talked about as the greatest hell in a cell match of it's all time. talked about because it's got the two moments in it I think you're way off on this one, brother. But the rest of the match itself is just a concussed man stumbling around the ring. The Undertaker blades from himself, and he destroys McFoley. I mean, I mean, it accomplishes getting Undertaker over as a monster, but yeah. he was already 
he didn't really need that. I mean, I think I just think Bad Blood's a better match. So, now that this pay-per-view is over, what is your rating? My rating for this one, I'm going to give a with the Hell in a Cell match, I'm going to give it a Kane. And without the Hell in a Cell match, I'm going to give it Kane's knee. Kane's knee. Yes. So Hornswoggle, basically. I think Kane's knee is probably higher than Hornswoggle, but without this match, without, well, without the Hell in a Cell match, boy, don't don't stop by here. Keep going. Are you serious? Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to watch this. This is the, I'm. This is the very first, one hundred percent perfect. I'm giving. What? This is a giant Gonzalez pay per view. Oh, that's ridiculous. This is this is literally a giant Gonzalez pay per view. This match is the most talked about, undisputed, unarguable, greatest bumps in the history of professional wrestling. Well, that's agreed. Yeah, I think we all are in, in agreement with that. And because of that, I think that that, yeah. Bumps do not make the match, my friend. I think, no, I agree. They don't. But this match was brutal. And I think that's what I'm trying to get. That's what I was trying to get over to you over the past few weeks is going into this very first women's Hell in a Cell. Like, yeah, it's going to have to be athletic. But if you're wanting to, if you're wanting to even hang it anywhere near the likes of Taker and Mankind in '98, you better have some blood and you better have some brutality. Well, no, they won't get it anywhere near because this raised the bar too high. They never, they never got near this again. Well, nobody's stupid enough to take that that bump. But even when Foley had the retirement match with Triple H, I mean, they gimmicked the ring for the going through the cell spot. Right. So they tried to recreate. You know, they always. And Shane jumping off the thing, yeah, that was impressive because it was from a high distance. But it's like we kind of we've seen it before, you know. Like, well, and the fact that he had an airbag underneath the table, we think. Well, I mean, it certainly looks like he. I did. think he did. I mean, there's no way Vince is. Gonna this be like, version of the cell is much taller, though, so I will I will give him that. It's not meant to be <laughs> jumped off of the one that we have now. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's not meant for people to climb up it. They made it so tall that they are like, nobody's stupid enough to climb up there, but yet some people do. Well, I disagree with your perfect rating, but that's what all, all this is about. That's a giant Gonzalez all the way. So, now, where are you taking us? Well, Patrick, 1998 was a great year for professional wrestling. Probably the hottest it will ever be. The hottest it ever was was the summer of 1998. And these, these two weeks in particular, very, very important. And very good for people that don't buy pay-per-views because on Raw the next night after King of the Ring, you got a title change for free. Austin won the belt back. And the very next week on Nitro, the July 6th version, July 6th, 1998, was a little show from the Georgia Dome. In Atlanta, WCW Monday Nitro from July 6, 1998, featuring Bill Goldberg will have to take on Scott Hall. If he beats Scott Hall, he will get an opportunity to wrestle Hulk Hogan in the same show for the WCW world title. The pressure is on. He's undefeated. He's got a lot of momentum going into this. 
But then Hogan's got some stuff going on on the side with Carl Malone and DDP. This thing could get ugly yep. real quick. So that's where we're going next week to the July 6th, 1998 edition of WCW Monday Nitro. The Georgia Dome, 40,000 strong in attendance for Monday Nitro. I love that one. So, Well, it's with Bill coming back. I yeah. call him Bill. We're on first name basis. We sure. are. So that wraps it up for this week's Retro Wrestling Podcast. Anything else to add before we go? That's it, brother. That's it. Well, We're going to go and play some WWE 2K. and We're going to watch, watch some Sasha Banks go through the cell. Do you know how awesome that would be? We're going to see Charlotte do a moonsault off the top of the cell. You know, I would love to see that, actually. Into the crowd. If, if she pulls that off and they do that... I will second guess Mick Foley Taker. If they bring out a truck full of hay that she can crash into just to be safe, then it would be fine. But they're going to have to gimmick something. They can't. That's way too dangerous. All she's going to do is break her leg. She'll be fine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because that's what Lita did. <laughs> you know, Lita broke her neck doing, doing the moonsault. Well, Lita just didn't rotate fully. That's her fault. Well, Charlotte's pretty lanky. She could over-rotate. That's... Well, then she's going to land on her back. She'll be fine. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's fine. (laughs) Just play through it. Yeah. It's just pain. Well, until we meet again next week, I'm intern Alex. I'm the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always... My closing line's a clothesline. Bingo, bango. Did it again. Nailed it. Hardly anybody backstage had any idea what was going to happen in that Hell in a Cell match between Foley and The Undertaker. My God, I had no idea that they were going to go to the extreme they did. They're right above us, folks, and I don't like it a damn bit. in my living room at my dad's condo with about eight of my friends and we were all watching and we saw a man get thrown from the top of a Hell in the Cell cage which is about 20 feet in the air onto an announce table and all my friends were just, did that just happen? Oh my God. God is my witness, he is broken in half. I remember watching that match live. I think it was 2 o'clock in the morning. I was uh, I was in college, and I remember everybody, like all of us, just being like an absolute awe. I mean, just completely dumbfounded. When he went off that, off top of that cage, off that hell in the cell, we thought he was done. It was Foley's body hitting wood, hitting concrete. So in my mind's eye, I'm thinking, well, an average human being cannot live through that ordeal. And obviously, Mick Foley was far from being an average human being.
the hell is he standing? Lo and behold, somehow, you know, Mick knowing that he's got to deliver for this audience and for The Undertaker, he wills himself back into this match. Are you kidding me? He wants to go back up. He gets off the stretcher and he climbs up to the top again. It, it was just surreal. How he lived through that, I never know. It was beyond belief. I mean, here he came down through there, and when he came through that ring, he hit that mat, and believe me, is that mat's not soft, and he was out, and I knew he was hurt bad. His eyes were just totally glassed over. I was scared to death for it. When I go to stand up, and I can't, you know, it's sad, it's sad, but it's also powerful because the match should have ended. And then I see him crawling over, he's outside the ring, and I, he's got a tooth in his nose, and he's kind of got a perverse smile on his face, like, I'm not dead yet. You may think I'm done, but I'm not done. And man, that just, that brought me completely into the whole storyline, that was like, this stuff is good. Mr. McMahon came up to me after the cell. I was in pretty rough shape, you know. Um, my tooth had ended up in my nose. I had a collection of injuries from you know, dislocated shoulder. My jaw had been injured. A bunch of stitches underneath my lip. Um, uh, bruised kidney. And he said, you have no idea how much I appreciate what you've done with this company but I never want to see anything like that again. And he told me he was going to place a governor on me. <laughs> then he had to explain what a governor was. It's, well, you put it on a car that won't allow it to exceed a certain speed because I was going faster <laughs> and driving more perilously than, you know, than I should have. And so that set the bar, you know, ridiculously high. And fortunately, you know, things have changed where if a guy gets knocked out during a match, you know, the match ends, and rightfully so. But I think part of the mystique of that match, and part of the part of the emotional journey it takes viewers on is that that match didn't end. I don't know if you could ever recapture that emotion. You certainly can't plan it. It's a, it's a, it's a roller coaster. For people who see more than the clips, if they actually go and watch that match, it's, it's powerful. I remember seeing Mick walking the next day at TV and saying to him, well, I see those signs in the crowd, Foley is God. If you ain't, you're something close, because I don't know how you're walking today, dude. Like, I mean, hats off to you. I mean, you, no, no matter how it happened or what it was, you have to, I mean, you hats off to the guy and just have to give him the ultimate respect for being willing to to do that, put his body through that, and, and even after it happened to, you know, stand back up and continue on and just, you know, it, it, it's, um, it's something special, you know. <laughs>